something came out. Anyway, we've been talking there we <clears> here the night, the day after we were talking about how the day proves the, is the proof of what happened during. Day after. The day after is the proof of what happened during Yom And we illustrated this by the marshal of the Moshevitis horses, who, uh, who believed that they had become angels on the, on the night of their travels. And when they stopped their travels, they reverted as we were saying, they just started gorging themselves at the trough. And the way we act on whether it's the way we break our fast or the way we act during this day, I think is very reflective of how real and how much it really impacted us. I don't, I don't mean to say that <clears throat> it, it would be a complete um, uh, turning over. There's definitely, even everyone is touched and everyone is moved, but I think to make it, to absorb it in a way that it actually lasts and becomes uh, an impetus for the whole year is what's crucial. <clears throat> and I want to illustrate this by a uh, truth, true events that occurred um, about 10 years ago. Uh, I think it was in uh, 2010. Exactly. It was, it was 2009. It was uh, actually exactly 10 years ago. So Rebbe Yashiv was 99. And Rebbe Yashiv had been dealing with for years and from his own self, uh, questions about fasting on Rosh Hashanah, on Rosh Kippur. Um, he had dealt with questions from people who had had heart situations like he had. Um, and in fact, Rabbi Yashuk was known to be weak, even though he you know, was thin and, 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 and powerful in many of the pictures that you see him when he's a young man. But according to his family, he had always suffered from, from, from illnesses. So I'm sure he had researched this for himself and for others. So the question is, of course, if you know you have to eat on your paper, what do you do? You know that, or now, there's two ways that that comes up. One way is the person who, uh, on Yom Kippur, <coughs> is insatiable. He needs to eat. And something's happening. We don't get food into him. He's going to die. More often than not, what we're talking about is someone who has a certain health condition that, <laughs> if perhaps he's been a hard patient, he's just had an operation or something happened to him, and or he's had a heart attack before, and he needs to eat in order to sustain his health, in order to continue his, his process of getting better, of, of recuperation. Or um, a, a woman who is pregnant, and because of the pangs of, of hunger or thirst, cause her to be so weak and to cause contractions, early contractions to occur, and which might lead to a, a, a miscarriage. So those are situations which are very, very prevalent. So, uh, Rebel, you know, we know, okay, before we get to Rebel Yashem's sock, we know that the, the Gemara speaks about, of course, relying on doctors and relying on what they say, and saying that if this, if you fast, Right now, you're not in danger of dying. But if you withhold food from yourself for a lengthy period of time, then it will be. So it's not yet, the doctor says. He maybe can't say with 100% certainty, but there's a doubt. Now, the, uh, the, it's interesting, you know, we, we associate 
you know, the Briskers, you know, Chaim, of course, and his son, the Brisker Rabbi Zev, grandfather based on Levi, but the Briskers from Chaim and the Brisker from Rabbi Zev in Eretz Yisrael, as being ex- one of the frumest or more machmir, uh, they have the, they are very machmir on how they do the chauffeur, on uh, the amounts that they drink of wine on the night of Pesach, how much matzah they have. Very, very, very machmir. And it comes from their learning the, almost the totality of, 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 of the Gemara and the Sugis. And, and, and they, they know so much that they're, that they're machmir and they have this interesting way of, of approaching things. You know, brisker shita. When it comes to fasting on Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur, they actually have a more kuvadika shita. Yeah. Chaim said, I, I'm not, it's not that I'm makel in fasting, I'm machmir in pikuach nefesh. He felt that um, that even a woman who's going to have a baby, uh, who isn't yet, you wouldn't call her sick right now, even somebody who is not yet needing now, or is a suffolk, that that type of person, he says the only time the Gemara Yuma says about taking less than the amount is when you have a woman who is a muberis who says she wants to eat, which is different than someone uh, a, a pregnant woman that the doctors are worried because of the lack of eating might right. go into early contractions. Chaim and his son ruled that in those cases they should eat and drink normally. So they were very makel and, and, and they felt that that's the way it should be. As much as the real rest of the Lithuanian world respected that approach, they actually felt, no, we're going to be more machmer. Now, what did that mean? Well, until recent times, it meant that you know, this was the psaac that was given to uh, my daughter-in-law, who's in Hashem expecting in, in December. And the psaac that was given, yeah, was given to my daughter-in-law was that she should drink a little less than the revius, less than 2.2 ounces, to take uh, three quarters of an ounce, and then a couple of minutes later, take another three quarters of an ounce, and she should sip and this could get her through. Um, so no afterbirths. What? No afterbirths. Now, the it, it's a, now there's a big debate as to how much a rabbis is. And of course, we're not just dealing with drinking the four cups. Drinking the four cups is amidst with the rabbanim. If you drink on your kippur, then you have been mavatel that mitzvah of afflicting yourself, and flip side is karet. The flip side is karet. So Rebel Yashiv was very worried about people fudging on the amount, not knowing and maybe perhaps drinking too much and not realizing it. And when it comes to the sheer achila as well, in terms of the sheer achila of eating, they uh, could eat less than the sheer. So here Rebel Yashiv was also worried. He was also worried about um, first of all Again, the shear is called a koseves, right? It's a, it's, it's, it's a large date. But again, there's a debate about the date, about exactly how big the amount is. And even if it's, you know, if it's more than you should have, right, then there's other problems. Even if it's less than the koseves, he says, you know, it's got to, it, it, there's a problem of less than the shear. For example, even if you only get punished for a certain amount, 
all of it is also. In other words, even less than the amount that you get punishments for, it's called chatzi shir, you'd be also. So Yosha was very worried about this. Um, when people came to him and said, well, my daughter, you know, is pregnant, but because she, it's hard for her to, you know, he's less than a shear. So Yosha says, well, but there's another etza. You can take the liquid and put like a, a, a bitter uh, solvent into it in order that it should be the type of thing nobody really drinks normally, but will give her will give her liquid in her system. And, you know, the, the person who told her, well, this was a Talmud and he said, well, my daughter just can't, uh, you know, can't stand this. I said, well, look, she can't stand it. Well, maybe you should think about it. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to, there's also, it's a little naive. What about Yom Kippur? I mean, that's also, she should feel, that's low naive to, to violate Yom Kippur if you don't need to. And as Rabbi Yosha said, that, that anything more than you need is also. Do we really know how much a person needs? And the briskers would say, eat and drink normally. So, no, we're not, we don't accept that side. So, it became a problem. So, Yoshev, and due to medical science, uh, there seemed to be a way to get you know, IV, to get infusions uh, through IV. Now, this is not something that you should do on Yom Kippur itself. Because normally, because well, there's two ways, of course, to put IV into someone. One way is to you know, just they, they, they put it into the, they, they make a swipe puncture vein. And you, right? The other way is that they pick line where they're going to put material into you. Um, not everybody has a pick line ready. Uh, right, unless they're undergoing you know, some kind of other medical. Right. right. However, Rabbi Yosha felt, and he told these people all the time, you know that your kipper is coming, make arrangements with a, with a qualified medical person have you hooked up with an infusion. And if you're hooked up with that, he says, that's not a problem at all. He says, there's not even a suffix because it's not called eating and drinking. Right, so even right, though it's right. going to it's give you... Through your mouth, right. it's and even though it's totally unnatural <laughs> and it's getting to your system. Just don't drive to the hospital for it. Huh? Yeah, well, if that's what well, you're saying beforehand. Arrange because, it. Because otherwise you're going to... You have to, you know... No, but if they have a pick line. Right, oh, if they have a pick line, then you're... Right. Uh, so Rabbi Yoshev felt that, um, that that would be the proper answer. That was the way you needed to go in terms of eating uh, on your kippur. He says, if you're, a, if you're a woman that's pregnant and you're worried about contractions, worried about issues, then arrange to be able to get IV. If it's the day before, though, does it still help to get through the day? Okay, then you're asking another question. Though, but is that a key of the midst of... Of eating Arab your kid, right? No, no, so actually, that's, that's a no, great saying, question. So, well, the, they were saying to use the pick line on the day of Yom Kippur. In other words, have make sure it's, it's in and place. make sure it's in make place. Sure and this way, through so Yom Kippur, you can connect without using anybody's skin. Right, you right, can just simply right. attach to it, right? You're just connecting up. Although to he it. actually says that if you haven't attached it and you can get a non-Jew to do it, then that's preferable than to try to eat less than the shear, because we know asking a non-Jew to puncture you is is, 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 a, is a small thing, is a rabbinic thing, whereas here, playing around with the shiurim and not knowing how much you're supposed to have is problematic. So that's where Yosha, with his halachic sort of clarity, said, this is what should be done. And that's what he did. So that's the way he was as well. The last number of years, uh, I guess from his you know, mid-90s till his death, 
until his 101st year, and he died, he was, uh, he, he, he was 102. So while he was still not yet 102, when he was still 101, that was his last Yehuda, um, he was made sure that he was attached beforehand. Now, I'm not sure if he came to Shulam, but Shulam wasn't really an issue. Um, you know, they davened right near him, and Rebel Yoshev, um, on, when it, on his 99th one, you know, when, he, when he made it through every Yippur, and on his, on his 99th birth year of, of his Yom Kippur, uh, 2009, 10 years ago, Rebel Yoshev, uh, they say was, there was something that happened. His, you know, he was being monitored by doctors, and they felt that he might need to eat, actually, actually take food in. I guess the numbers started to show some some, some problems. Rabbi Yashif somehow strengthened himself, and he said, "Well, look, maybe we can push it through." With the infusion, he was able to get drinking because what he had what the, the infusion didn't didn't wasn't called eating and drinking at all. So he had actually satisfied the mitzvah of of not being an inui on anything, and, and he was very happy that he was able to do that. Halacha. So the family sat down to what the usual fare was by the Eliashevs was a meat meal. I know what all of you, how you broke your fast yesterday. Uh, I know. Yeah. That's what they felt based on what we were saying before, before the recording ran out, which is the idea of, of, of making it an actual right, so they would, so they, right, right, so they were emphasizing. Yomtev, right. and the means post, 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 that's what they would meet. So, Rabbi Yashiv sat with them, and of course he was happy, uh, glow. Well, after the meal, after he ate, not much he didn't eat much, but he had meat. Um, Rabbi Yashiv said, they, asked, they told him, you know, Saba, go, go, go lie down. So, he said, okay. So, he went to his room, because he'd been up the whole Yomtev. Went to, to sleep, but he woke about 10, 15 minutes later. He got out of his bed. He said, I, I, I feel a little headache. I'm not. I can't sleep. I'm going to go do something. I can't just lie in the bed. So he went into his, his study, and they heard him again. The way he, you know his melodic voice. And he took the Gemara out. He started to learn. So you know, people were uh, calling to see how was Rabbi Yashem. How was Rabbi Yashem? In fact, by the end of his life, there was actually a YouTube camera. See, I don't know if it was YouTube, some sort of a video, of some sort, right? Yeah, some sort of religious one where you could, you know, you could see how's Rabbi doing, you know, which was uh, it was very weird. But people were always asking, "What's going on with the Rav? What's happening with him?" Was people, you know, it was like a worldwide thing. That was when he had the operation. They they, they brought in a, a great specialist from America. Uh, it was written up in Mishpacha magazine and other places. So Just people wonder how they access the without internet. How they would access it? Well. When yeah, you need yeah. to, you find out. Use the internet when you need to, for sure. When you want to find out the best doctors. But they found a doctor who was very, very impressed. So there's people always calling, how's the love doing? How's the person doing? How's the brother love door? What's going on? So his grandson who was home with him says, here, take a look. He held the phone up and we could, we could hear him He's sitting and learning. Okay. Two, three, four, five. So imagine, let's say Yom Kippur's over at seven, got up from the meal seven thirty. So it's now after the meal, it's already at four thirty, five thirty in the morning. Right? It's about three, four thirty in the morning, right? So it's let's say eight thirty, nine thirty, ten thirty, eleven thirty, twelve thirty, one thirty in the morning. So 
36 hours. So Rabbi Yoshev's derech was he used to go to sleep at 11, and he would wake up at 2. That was his, until, really till the end of his life, that was the way he lived. The last couple of years, he would take a morning nap as well. But his avoda was at 11 and get up at 2. Um, famously, you know, when Yoshev's um, daughter uh, married Shlomo Zalman Arabach's son, Azriel Arabach. So at the wedding, you know, these two great Rabbonim, you know, they, um, they, you know, they're still two of the most illustrious and respected Rabbonim, and their daughter, the daughter gets married to the son. Uh, Rabbi Yoshev, as the wedding, you know, as they reached about 10 15, 10 20, went over to Shlomo Zalman and said, Okay, Chutin, I have to. said, after he left, he says, here you see that he's from a different door. He's a different person. Most people would stay at their, at their daughter's wedding, at least, you know, until Benching or something, right? right? No, no, I've got to go. My Seder is 11. That's when I'm in bed. I get up <laughs> at 2. At 2, he would get his coffee. At 2, right, either when he was strong enough, he'd make his coffee. His wife would make his coffee. His wife passed away. There was always a grandchild or someone there who set up their alarm to make sure that they would bring him his coffee. And with that coffee, the learning started to jumpstart. No, of course, when Yosha was already learning, and they were still bringing him his coffee. So he looked up. Well, actually, before he looked up, they had to nudge him. The grandson, they had to nudge his grandfather. He was singing and learning the Gemara. Where's your coffee? Yosha said, coffee, it's millifor. He says, we just ate. Rabbi Yosha hadn't even noticed the time. that he had gotten so involved after spending a whole day hooked up to the infusion, having almost a crisis, getting through the infusion. Going back to learn, those, that, 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 that motzi of before Rabbi Yosha was the gaveden of his learning table. To the point that time, as I've been learning, he couldn't. It's time he wasn't going to take. No, it's been six hours. Six hours. <laughs> he lost himself in learning so greatly. No, well, he didn't go back to sleep. He had his coffee, and after being up the whole day of Kippur, basically every night, maybe nodded off. He stayed up. Um, he went to his minion. Um, after the minion, Rabbi Yosha's minion in the last couple of years, was to be taken to uh, priests, people who were having a, to act as a sandik. Uh, it was considered a, later, uh, sometimes they would bring the babies to him, but he was involved in that for a little while because it was a sagula. The Russian valued time in his life more than anything else. So he did that, he came back, the grandchildren said, his face was so powerful after going through what he did and not sleeping. He couldn't believe it. So he, now he's going to come back. We'll probably see him for about four or five hours. And the Yosha said, he went out. And they woke up. He said, now it's time to learn again. Now, that was him at 99. Um, that's not us. 
But I think the story, I think, sort of indicates about the power of, of what would be cool to be you know, for someone, especially for someone like that, but of what it means. That night was a motzi gedola. That was the sort of the proof. Bacon's to God was so strong. And uh, when I think about it, when I think about the Ishalok, when I think about what that means, um, to be able to collapse because you're riding that wave. And I'm sure every time you learn to the summer, you're coming at it, coming at it being quicker, I think it has to be something like that. that that's just a Rebel Yoshi's vignette, but I think it, it, it tells you a lot about that period, about who he is and people around him. The other uh, thing I wanted to share with you is what, after, let's say you've had your sense of chuva, and perhaps you even gave out tears of, of how you could be better. The vidui finally hit you. Things in the vidui really struck home, and whether it was Kilo Hashem, whether it was Lashara, whether it was pettiness or anger, whatever it was, you really have a firm commitment to change. Or at least you regretted actions that you've done, whether it was actions of theft, actions of hurting another person's feelings, um, or things even they considered even more egregious. There's another thing about shuva that 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 the Rambam speaks about. Um, I'll read you the, the, the words of the Rambam. It's interesting, you know, in many ways the um, the, the Rambam. That was considered the ultimate halacha, uh, the great analyst of halacha, um, the organizer. And one of the things, of course, he did was, in his halachic work, he, the first book is basically a book of what we should think and feel about the world, and what, we, what, the, what, what are the right things to know, Yisodei Torah, right? And he has deos, which is the way a person should act and feel and type of human being character traits. And the end of Sefer Mada is Hilchas Tshuva. Um, I think there are ten prokim in Hilchas Tshuva. And in those prokim, uh, the, the Bali Musa would learn one every single day of from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. Um, I want to emphasize something that's on the seventh day, or the seventh parak of Hilchas Tshuva. And you can look at it with me here. Um, it starts. Let's take a look. Here. It starts with the idea of free will. Um, since, because the Rambam had actually uh, spoken about, um, you know, he speaks about the paradox of free will and God's foreknowledge. But he uses that as because free will is, of course, what means that you can change, right? So you're able to change and to do vidui, um, and how important it is to do vidui and to entertain before you leave this world. What I thought was extremely striking was like this. I'll tell Marsha ain't truva. I don't think the truva is all about acts of sin. Illicit physical relations, actually stolen, grabbed things from someone. The same way when you do, you have to do tshuva from 
I stole, I, I, I slept with this woman, whatever it was. He used to think about his traits that he has. And you're doing tshuva from being an angry person. From being a person who holds grudges, who feels angry and feels like, I, I feel like I'm this person's enemy. You have to do tshuva from feeling jealous towards someone else. Menahitul, a person who, or you feel like everything is, is not, is, is irreverent. You're irreverent about everything. Nothing is serious. Like everything you look at, you're looking in a way to, to at least many things you see. Right? Or, something that's within you that says, I've got to make my money. I've got to have it. I've got to have, I can't live without, I've got to have more. Hakova, or, I want people to respect me. I want to be a person of respect. I want to earn people. I want to not earn. I want to have it. Oh, oh you know, I just love a good steak. I just love, you know, a great pasta. Whatever it is, I and, and, and it's sort of, it burns within you, this desire of, of, of feeding yourself, and whether it's good foods or just having that sense of comfort of eating. On all of that. And the Ramam says this in the seventh parak, not in the first parak of, of his Juba, where he describes how a person, when he's done an Avera, wants to remember what he's done and, and, and can feel regret and remorse and, and, and commit never to be that way again. He waits towards towards sort of towards the end of his of, of, the, of the of that book. And he talks about this. He says, these are actually more difficult than those that have an action associated with it. Because if there's an action, you can realize that that wasn't your right, that wasn't your stuff to take. What right did you have to? No, it was very specific. It's right. very specific event. You can think about it and be remorseful right. about that. Specific, and, rather than some kind of background issue. That's, that's right. Sort of perpetually running in the background. And which might not even have reared its head yet, but could potentially rear its head. Maybe even keeping it in check, but it's there and it can come out. And and therefore, when this is what you're involved in, and the pasuk says, "Yaza Russia Darko," that a Russia needs to go away from this whole path, not just a specific mitzvah or navera, which is a whole approach in life. From your thoughts, from the things that sort of swirl in your head, that a person has to like dig deep and uproot that. Um, and, and the Rambam says it's a very tough thing. Of course, the very next halacha, right after that, after he's given us that 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 that, that gauntlet, then he says, "Al yadama adam Don't think here about tshuva not like a person who has never sinned. And then he mm-hmm. goes through this whole idea of how true, how great it is, how wonderful it is, and how it's brought you back, and in many ways are even greater than someone who never had the Yitzhara. So it's interesting that the Rambam, before he gets into all the positives and what it means and how beautiful it is, what truth is, the Rambam sets this point. And I, and I believe, again, Marcus has said it well. This, these 
Midos that we have, whether it's anger, ultra sensitivity, whether it's a sense of of, of, of wanting to see people you know, getting more amusement and in a way to, to their detriment, these things cause in, in our especially in interactions, even if there's no people involved, if it's just a question of you know, I gotta have that, uh, I gotta have that uh, BLT, whatever it is. That aspect of yourself is, is a time bomb. It's a time bomb, and it's also, even if it never actually rears its head to an Avera, it's, it's, it's a blotch on you. Now, some of this stuff is DNA. Some of this stuff is, you know, is part of, probably, you know, it's stuff that, the way a kid was born. Some of it might be learned behavior. Some of it might be because parents modeled it, and the kid almost is entrenched in it. Even if it's part of your uh, DNA, so to speak, this is where you were from birth. You were just, you know, the kid was always throwing his rattle back. He, he always, he was always like, you know, never satisfied. Can you blame him? I mean, this is what this is what he was. This is where he was as a baby. As a baby, he couldn't get his way. He was upset, and he had, you know, you would think that you would say that's probably the type of thing, and, and maybe you'd want to give him a mulligan on that and say. Don't try to change me. That's, that's too hard. The Rambam says one really needs to. I don't. You might not necessarily have to um, go through. This is really what I want to say. You don't have to necessarily go through the same terrible or, or strong approach that you need for, let's say, when you've done an Avera, which is, I still feel so bad I did it. I don't think I should ever have done that. Um. Here, it, it takes a lot of planning. You know, one of the great um, thinkers about how to be a different person, how to change yourself, a genius really in, it, in, in the Jewish world, was Rabbi Yisrael Salander. And he was the father of the Muslim movement. He was, he was almost universally seen as a man of incredible brilliance. And, and, and it's part of what he was trying to do was he felt that, that time needed to be whittled away from pure learning, actually learning and exploring the psychology of the self, changing the self. He had seen people of incredible erudition and scholarship, and yet who were not uh, refined at all and were, and, and, and were into self-aggrandizement and other negative things. See, this also really reacted to that. That was part of the this too, that he had to have a greater sense of debate. So Hunter had a different answer. He felt that the answer was with Musa, which is really a way that you speak to yourself. And, and one of the ways you analyzing clearly what's wrong with you and actually even using, using your, your mental talents to make a list. What is it that I do wrong? What things do I have? And, and, and good friends can help. And you're your best friend in that way. You shine the light in your honesty. What things do I do that lead to bad things? What things do I have that are a time bomb? What things, the Averis I did on Yom Kippur, I really regret, but what was the root of that? Other than the fact that, oh, I'm a rush, I'm a bad person. No, that's not what it was. It came from certain, somewhere, and, and it was probably these Midos that we're talking about. Whether it was anger, whether it was a sense of, I need people to love me, etc. Salanter felt that what a person needs to do is to be analytical, the same way you would run a company. 
say, how can we build our profits? Let's take a look at what's causing what. Yes. To me, that's part of um, what this needs to be. In other words, in Kipper is to get inspired, to hate the, the old you, to, to regret the old you. But these days, it's about working on the plan. This tshuva, the tshuva of, let's see, it's not, but what caused that to be? And what can I do to, to, to get rid of that? It's a long process, but the answer is not just by wanting. The answer is to make a list, to think. And the same way here, this is spreadsheet. Look, this is this is what's causing these avails. Right? It's my it's my ultra sensitivity that's causing me to snap back at the family all the time. What can I do to, to work on that? What can I do to attack that root problem? Drama says it's a hard work. That, I believe, is, is again, one of the things that believes us to get the sukkahs coming up and a lot of things that are happening. But I think that's part of what makes the Yom Kippur real. Part of what makes the Yom Kippur real is starting this job. That's the job that I think is, um, is, a, uh, is an essential one. And, and it's, a, it's a tough one. It's tough because, in many ways, it's easier to own up to, you know, I, I was wrong for for saying that, and, and I was wrong for taking that evil action. I was wrong, maybe for looking at the woman who wasn't my wife. I was wrong for all those things. Are wrong. I feel bad about that. I feel okay, but it's it's much harder to say. You know, I'm really an angry guy. I'm really somebody who uses uses patience with people. I, I've got to work on this. I've got to become something different. You know what I'm saying? Is what I'm saying that maybe sounds simple. But I think that it can get lost in sort of like a pyrotechnic aspect of Yom Kippur. I think that those are so. Those, those, those are two post Yom Kippur ideas. I guess I, I guess there was one other. Um, I guess there was one other little point, um, and that is um, that the Gemara says that that the Gemara Shoshana says that it talks about happens on Rosh Hashanah, and says that the person who is the second Baal Tevilah does the Tzkiyot. And that's not the way it really was. I mean, originally, it was the, they did it early in the morning. Mishnah reflects a time after the, the, the whatever government it was that wasn't allowing them, the Romans, they weren't allowing them to go show for the morning, they could show for later in the morning. And then the Mishnah says, Mishnah says that Arishon which is sort of like a, like a when is that? That's not on Rosh Hashanah. No, that's, that's on a regular day. But the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah connects Halel, which is something we don't do on Rosh Hashanah. And the Gemara asks, why not? Versus actually the Malachim wondered why Jewish people were not saying Hallelujah. And said, "Hey, this is this is the most incredible time in the world. This is this is the recreation of the world. What's happening in Shemayim is incredible. We're where is Yisrael?" So, Rosh answer was, the, the, the books of, of life and death are open in front of me. It 
can't expect them to be singing. They can't do shira. But there's been a lot of discussion about perhaps there is a shira that occurs. I mean, we do speak about how the malachim sing to God. We speak about that. Um, and we ourselves sort of become like angelic. Um, there's uh, one of the opinions that suggests that perhaps, um, again, you have to know how to read this, that our Avinu Malkeinu is sort of almost like uh, a, a Solomon type of Hale, although it's not from David Amelok himself. But I think it's important to sort of see that there's something about, uh, I remember one of the, the Svarim, uh, I think it was Rishon Mekhila and others, would say, Hallow is about miracles. There's no greater miracle than Yom Kippur. Right? It's really the miracle of, of, of the free, created human being who's able to, and God is able to sort of like say, I'm stripping away those Averis, I'm building the count, I'm connecting to your Neshama. So that should be a reason to praise God that He would be in the greatest way. Um, right? Because if, if that's what Hallow is, if Hallow is as a response to miracles, you know, there's, there's, there's the miracle of, of, of continued existence. Which is what Rosh Hashanah is, and despite our our bad choices and how we've corrupted the world, we've seen parts of that. Then, for sure, perhaps there should be something to, to reflect, um, you know, more than just praising God and and, and, accept, and admitting that God does everything great. It's 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 a static singing towards God, and whether Rabbi Malpeno does that or not. Perhaps it was a Russian Shvarwet that seems to imply that. But I think that, that it, it's important to see that, especially as we get into uh, Sukkot, that we're not necessarily changing direction. Uh, there's a Halil, you know, we're going to say Halil every day of Sukkot, and the Halil is, is, is almost like the, the main event. Mm. It's Hoshanas, but the main event is, 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 is shaking the Lulav during, during the Halil. I think it's important to, to realize that there, in a way, this is a continuation of of the Halil that was there, the Halil that, that sort of was, was was the shadow of the Halil or the sense of the Halil that was there. As the Mishnah says, there's a Halil as an, as an opportunity expressed in the Sukkot itself. But maybe it was there on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur as well. Again, Tosfos says in Erechim, perhaps the angels can't say Hallel once a day. He says, why are the angels getting involved? That's Tosa's question. Why, why are you saying, hey, how come they're not saying Shira? What do you care? You're an angel. Right? You know. So Tosa says, because the angels are dependent on us. If we don't say Hallel, they can't. In other words, we are like the real crown uh, creation. and They can't praise God, if this is what Tosa says. Um, but perhaps, again, we, in a way we do, in a way we do actually uh, use even Rabbi Baum from Tinek suggested to me in a, in a letter. Uh, it's possible that even all the Saracen Mechuba will get is a Halil in the end. Mm. Solid, so that's, those are the three things I, I wanted to share with you about A, um, this, the significance of this day with the Yashin is the, uh, sort of like a, a paradigm. What happened to him? Perhaps all of us can have some days like that. Um, and hopefully, the yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The 
second book, second thing, of course, is the, the real book of Truman, the Rambam's second book of Truman. Um, you, know, you need Wayne. The hardest part. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you need Dr. Phil, Wayne Dyer, and, and, and <laughs> Professor Sharp, and others. And the third part, uh, again, is is a sense of, of praise to God and of Sitka, really, that, that was there, in a sense, on Rosh Hashanah, because the Sitka Shira that was sort of like was happening perhaps not revealed, and that Sukkot is really not, it's not really a contradiction. It's really, you know, really an extension right. of those things. Those are the three things I want to share with you. Okay. But we can yes. shut it off, the, people can shut off the recording. Okay. I do want to show you one thing. Okay. So I want to put on here. Okay. Well, yes, okay. It looks nice. like we recorded for 40 minutes. So we're okay. good. Okay. Let me show you one thing. 